Well, howdy, Hootah Thunkers. This is the host of the of the Hootah Thunkin' podcast, Zeb, coming at you with episode 141, titled Nuclear Fusion and Our Future. Before we get into nuclear fusion and all that good stuff, which is exciting, I'm going to do the recommendation segment. This week, I recommend you watch new holiday movies. Yep, my wife Shannon loves to re-watch old holiday classics like White Christmas, her favorite, but also ones like Elf, Christmas Vacation, and a bunch of other holiday movies that she and everyone else have all seen a hundred times over. And while that's great when you're a kid, I watch movies over and over and over as a kid. As an adult, I want to do anything but rewatch the same story. I know exactly what's going to happen. There's some movies I like to do that, and usually I give it a, a, a couple years in between before I rewatch them. Like, oh, I forgot about this part. But when it comes to holiday movies, Christmas movies, I watch them every year. I don't get a chance to forget anything. And, you know, I do understand that. I do have my own holiday tradition where I watch the South Park Christmas sing-along special every year. Google it. I don't remember the, the episode title or the episode number or season number. But if you Google the uh, South Park sing-along Christmas special with Mr. Hankey, it's amazing. Every song's great. Also, you can look up uh, the South Park album. They did a whole Christmas album where there's quite a few songs that are on the album, the album that were not on the episode. Great. Watch it every year. I get that. Traditions. But they are making new holiday movies all the time that I think you should try. I have three good ones for you. Um, actually, four. I added another one. But three good ones for you here. First one is Klaus. I think I may have recommended it before, but Klaus is an animated movie on Netflix. The animation style is gorgeous and took a lot of time and effort to pull it off. Um, it's like a different kind of animation with all like really, really impressive shadow and it looks cool. Um, but better yet, the story is something completely new and original about the origins of Santa and the Christmas tradition as a whole. This is my favorite Christmas movie uh, plot. You know, here's the plot here. After proving himself to be the worst student at the academy a postman is sent to a frozen town in the north where he discovers a reclusive toy maker named klaus so there there's the plot another movie for you to check out another new one a christmas story christmas now sequels are rarely rarely worth the effort and especially when the original is regarded as an american classic like why remake it but this movie surprised me the first five minutes had me thinking i was going to hate a Christmas Story Christmas, but I was quickly convinced it was worth giving it a shot, and by the end, I was very happy I watched it. It was just the right amount of corniness and charm, and, you know, the author that wrote A Christmas Story, I think his name's Gene Shepard, he wrote a whole bunch of other stories, too. He was an, he was an author, he was a writer, and this isn't something that someone in a, in a, a big studio came up with, this sequel. No, this is another book of his, another thing that he wrote. So it sort of feels... I don't know, like, kept the original about it. They didn't take some other one, some other person's writing, so it's it's good. Um, I love the original movie, but, well, you know, one of my friends who hates the first movie, A Christmas Story, said he enjoyed the sequel much more than, than the original. So give it a try. You might like it, even if you didn't like the original one. And here's the plot. Ralphie returns to give his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had as a child. Long-awaited follow-up to the holiday classic A Christmas Story starring Peter billingsley so it's a lot all the same cast i shouldn't say all but most of the same cast you have ralphie you have ralphie's little brother randy you have uh flick you have schwartz um yeah it's and you have a uh, scud farkas the bully so it's pretty good check it out i didn't expect to like it at all i thought i was gonna hate it 
but I was like, just anything except for watching another one of the same Christmas movies over and over. Um, so it was new, and I liked it. I was pleasantly surprised. Another one, and this one we just finished last night, Spirited. After watching A Christmas Story Christmas, I called my dad. He loves the original so much. I called him to say, hey, don't sleep on the the sequel. I mean, I rolled my eyes. I was like, why would you watch it? But I said, dad, watch the sequel to A Christmas Story. It's good. And how you should watch it instead of rewatching old classics. He got all excited and he said, boy, do I have a movie for you if you want to watch new Christmas stuff. He said, watch Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. It's on Apple TV and it really made me smile the entire way through. The plot is it's a musical version of Charles Dickinson's A Story of a miserly misanthrope, you know, Scrooge, who's taken on a magical journey. However, it's 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 like their own take on A Christmas Carol. Everyone knows the story of A Christmas Carol, and <laughs> you've probably heard it many times, had to read it in school or whatever. Um, this is A Christmas Carol, but not the same exact boring story. It's very different, very fun. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and, and Will Ferrell don't just sort of phone it in. Whenever you watch a musical... And you see, like, the main actor, they sort of don't do the dancing. They don't sing much at all. They're just sort of there. No, these guys dance their asses off, and it's really impressive. They're two really, really impressive actors. Um, and they, <laughs> you can tell that they're really good together on screen. Um, they have good chemistry, so it's cool. Now, I did realize that there weren't any holiday movies on this list besides Christmas movies. And, well, that's because people I'm surrounded with are mostly Christian. And that's what they like the most. But if you're looking for a good Jewish movie, I suggest Eight Crazy Nights by Adam Sandler. Uh, the whole point of this list was to give you new Christmas movies. This is not new. This came out in 2002, which, holy crap, that's 20 years ago. But <laughs> it is hilarious. The plot is Davy Stone, played by Adam Sandler, is a 33-year-old party animal, finds himself in the trouble with the law after his wild ways go too far. In keeping with the holiday spirit, the judge gives Davy one last chance at redemption. Spend the holiday performing community service as the assistant referee for the youth, youth basketball league or go to jail. Davy thinks he's gotten off easy when he meets Whitey Duvall, the eccentric elf-like head referee. So it's ever, if you haven't seen it, it's been out for 20 years. It's really good. And it's not just Christmas. It's, it's you know, it's mainly Jewish. There is Christmas involved, but yeah. Watch it. It's good. Now, for the main event. <laughs> All that talking, six and a half minutes in, and we're just now getting to it. But anyway, last week, scientists made a breakthrough. Within the last month or so, the U.S. National Ignition Facility in California conducted a nuclear fusion experiment where they pumped a bunch of energy into 192 giant lasers, shot those lasers at a tiny pellet of fuel, and the result was more energy coming out of the pellet than there was energy going into the pellet. This is a landmark achievement that is called ignition or energy gain. The pellet of fuel reached 3 million degrees Celsius, hotter than the surface of the sun. Pretty cool. The Guardian, uh, the Guardian's Ian Sample, breaks down the experiment thusly. Uh, quote from the Guardian, To achieve the reactions, researchers fire up to 192 giant lasers into a centimeter-long gold cylinder called a holohrom. <laughs> The intense energy heats the container to more than 3 million degrees Celsius, hotter than the surface of the sun, and bathes a peppercorn-sized fuel pellet inside in x-rays. The x-rays strip the surface of the pellet and trigger a rocket-like implosion, driving temperatures and pressures uh, to extremes only seen inside stars, giant planets, and nuclear detonations. The implosion reaches speeds of 400 kilometers per hour per second, sorry, per second, and causes the deuterium and tritium 
to fuse. Each fusing pair of hydrogen nuclei produces a lighter helium nucleus and burst of energy according to Einstein's equation E equals mc squared. Uh, deuterium is easily extracted from seawater, while tri tritium uh, can be made from lithium, which is found in the Earth's crust. Lithium goes into batteries and stuff. In the latest experiment, researchers pumped in 2.05 megajoules of laser energy and got about 3.15 megajoules out. That's a roughly 50% gain in a sign and a sign that fusion reactions in the pellet were driving further fusion reactions. The energy production took less time than it takes light to travel one inch, said Dr. Marvin Adams at the NNSA. Dr. Marvin Adams, he's he's one of the most um, shared and viral videos about this. You'll see him. He's the one talking. And uh, I did put a, his video on the blog here because I, I thought it was a really cool video. Now, since press releases claimed this is a huge breakthrough in clean energy, there has been a lot of buzz surrounding the experiment and the potential it, it promises. Um, but, you know, we'll get to that. It's it's a bit iffy. So what is nuclear fusion? From the International Atomic Energy Agency, nuclear fusion is the process of uh, by which two light atomic nuclei combine to form a single heavier one while releasing massive amounts of energy. Fusion reactions take place in a state of matter called plasma, a hot-charged gas made of positive ions and free-moving electrons um, with unique properties distinct from solids, liquids, or gases. The sun, along with all other stars, is powered by this reaction to fuse in our sun. Nuclei need to collide with each other at extremely high temperatures around 10 million degrees Celsius. The high temperature uh, provides them with energy with with enough energy to overcome their mutual electrical electrical repulsion uh, once the nuclei come within a very close range of each other the attractive nuclear force between them will outweigh the electrical repulsion and allow them to fuse for this to happen the nuclei must be confined within a small space to increase the chances of collision in the sun the extreme pressure produced by its immense gravity creates the conditions for fusion so fusion happens in suns um, and that's what it is. Fusion's cool. Now there is fusion versus fission. And for that, I went to energy.gov's Office of Nuclear Energy to explain the difference. And you'll see. Fission occurs when a neutron slams into a larger atom, forcing it to excite and split into two smaller atoms, also known as fission products. Additional neutrons are also released that can initiate a chain reaction. When each atom splits, a tremendous amount of energy is released. Uranium and plutonium are most commonly used for fission reactions in nuclear power reactors because they are easy to initiate and control. The energy released by fission in these reactors heats water into steam. The steam is used to spin a turbine and to produce carbon-free electricity. That's what happens in nuclear reactors now. Nuclear reactors like... <laughs> Everyone always knows about the bad examples like Three Mile Island and Chernobyl, but we do have successful nuclear reactors that haven't made huge catastrophes. I think it's Fukushima is the one over in Japan. Um, you've heard of those because they went bad, but there's tons of them that have not had huge catast catastrophic um, results. Uh, but that's fission. That's what we've already done. You, you take uranium, plutonium, you shoot them at each other, they break apart. It's pretty cool. Fusion is different from fission. Fusion is that stuff that occurs when two atoms slam together to form a heavier atom, like when two hydrogen atoms fuse to form one helium atom. This is the same process that powers the sun and creates huge amounts of energy, several times greater than fission. So it's way more 
energy makes a lot more energy than fission the stuff we're already doing it also doesn't produce highly radioactive fission products that's the difference our nuclear reactors now are do fission they have very highly radioactive products that we have to take a lot of spend a lot of money and energy to try to you know get rid of those radioactive products that come out of it fusion reactions are being studied by scientists but at a but are difficult to sustain for long periods of time because of the tremendous amount of pressure and temperature needed to join the nuclei together why is this a big deal the international atomic energy agency says why are scientists studying fusion energy you know ever since the theory of nuclear fusion was understood in the 1930s scientists and increasingly also engineers because they need it's STEM, science, technology, and engineering and math. You need all four of those to make this kind of stuff work, a big project like this. But scientists and now engineers have been on a quest to recreate and harness it. That is because of nuclear fusion can be replicated on Earth at an industrial scale. It could provide virtually limitless, clean, safe, and affordable energy to meet the world's demand. That is why this is such a big deal. People are like, oh my gosh. Now, when I, I know about nuclear fusion very vaguely before looking into this episode um i put all this stuff on here to learn more about it but i had a vague understanding and when i saw that press release that hey we've we've made nuclear fusion in a lab here on the surface of of the earth not you know not just looking at the sun i was like oh my gosh pictures of just you know clean energy that's that we're able to recreate like really efficient amazing energy i thought here it is here's the future that's why that's that's why people are kind of freaking out about this. It's a big deal. Fusion could generate four times more energy per kilogram of fuel than fission used in nuclear power plants today, and nearly four million times more energy than burning oil or coal. Four million times more energy than burning oil or coal. Now here's the difference. You burn you burn oil or coal. We already know what happens. We get this climate change stuff going on. You got coal going up in the air. You got oil. That's not great either. We got CO2 everywhere. Um, you use fission, the stuff in our nuclear power plants now. You've got radioactivity. You got Chernobyl. You got Three Mile Island. You got Fukushima. All that stuff. You know, nuclear fission, I do think, is better than burning oil or coal because you're, you're guaranteed to have uh, CO2 and, and climate change issues. With nuclear fission, if we're careful, it's a lot cleaner. However, people are people and they screw up and you have stuff like chernobyl and three mile island and fukushima and we're like oh well it's it's better fusion is just wipes all those knocks all those out of the water i'll, I'll say it again fusion could generate four times more energy per kilogram of fuel than fission and four million times more than burning oil or coal most of the fusion reactor concepts under development will use a mixture of deuteronium and tritium I think this was written right before they actually made it happen, but hydrogen atoms that contain extra neutrons, in theory, with just a few grams of these reactants, it is possible to produce a terajoule of energy, which is approximately the energy one person in a developed country needs over 60 years. Amazing. Fusion fuel is plentiful and easily accessible. Um, like I said, the uh, deuterium can be extracted inexpensively from seawater. Tritium can potentially be produced from the reaction of fusion generated neutrons with naturally abundant lithium. These fuel supplies would last for millions of years. Future fusion reactors are also intrinsically safe and are not expected to produce high activity or long-lived nuclear waste. Furthermore, as the fusion process is difficult to start and maintain. There is no risk of runaway reaction and meltdown. 
fusion can only occur under strict operational conditions, outside of which, in the case of an accident or system failure, for example, the plasma will naturally terminate, lose its energy very quickly, and extinguish before any sustained damage is done to the reactor. So, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, Fukushima, can't happen with fusion. It can with fission, can't happen with fusion. And on top of that, fusion is four times more energy productive than fission. So, and there's no, there's no, none of the back climate backdrops or climate bad stuff that comes with oil and coal. Importantly, nuclear fusion, just like fission, does not emit carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So it could be a long-term source of low carbon electricity from the second half of this century onwards. And we, I'm excited. Every, <laughs> everyone's so excited. But here, I'm going to take it down a peg or two. Since, like I said, since press releases claim this is a huge breakthrough in clean energy, there's been a lot of buzz surrounding the experiment and the potential it promises. But, got a big old hairy butt for you, but this tech is very far away from being made into a viable power plant that creates clean energy for a large population, aka we still have lots of work to do. There's a rush to get this thing ready to be used in massive scales to solve the climate crisis, but there's a doubt that it would work out that way. And we shouldn't just say, oh, we don't have to worry about this climate change stuff. Thank goodness it's been so expensive. We can drop all that. Now we have fusion. No, it's too far away. We cannot drop that stuff yet. We still have to worry about the climate. And yeah, uh, I really hope there isn't much of climate deniers out there right now. I get it. There's still a lot of science, a lot of we don't know about it, but we are changing our climate and, and not for the better. Um, the, the earth itself will be okay, but us humans are going to have a rough time if we keep going the way we're going. Now, I am skeptical that the oil company lobbyists would allow that to happen, that, you know, fusion takes over and now we all have this clean fuel. You know, how would they get their money? How would they get their profits? So I, I'm thinking there's going to be lobbyists. There's going to be political stuff to, to, to slow this down from becoming what it needs to be. And but I'll get to that, what it actually needs this fusion to be a clean energy for our future. Plus, the calculations that said they got roughly 50% gain in energy as a, is a tad bit misleading. You know, it said 2.05 megajoules that reached the pellet and 3.15 megajoules that came out. Yes, you know, the pellet of fuel did release more energy than the lasers put in, but they left out the part about 300 megajoules needed to power up those lasers in the first place. So what they're saying is, all the technology needed to make this experiment happen is way behind. We need to be so much better. 300 megajoules just to get the powers, the lasers powered up is way more than the 3.15 megajoules that came out of this tiny little pellet. Now, we, we what this experiment proved was that it is possible. You know, those lasers can be shot about once a day right now. For a power plant to be productive and efficient, they would need to be fired 10 times a second. So that little experiment that they conducted where they're like, oh, we put in 2.05 megajoules, got 3.15 megajoules out. Great, wonderful. Oh, we, we, we failed to mention in this press release because it's not as exciting. 300 megajoules are put into the lasers to power them up. Oh, and these lasers are so behind technologically from being an efficient power plant. They work about once a day. We need them to work about 10 times a second. So yeah, the thing the lasers were targeting, the fuel pellet, and all the tubes and stuff that went into it, I didn't feel like researching 
the target that much. I know there's like a, a golden cylinder or whatever. That's why I read from the Guardian. The, the cylinder doesn't doesn't excite me. It's the potential. But anyway, the target that these lasers were were shot at, the pellet and the tubes and stuff, cost tens of thousands of dollars for this breakthrough experiment. But for a viable power plant, they would need to cost just cents on the dollar. <laughs> So we're not very efficiently good. We need we need economics there to help us too. Why are economically, you know, these these targets that they're making, these pellets and everything, they can potentially be sourced from seawater and lithium mines that we already have, but there's not a market there for it yet. So we're still economically really far behind. It's cost them tens of thousands of dollars. If we get the economy and everybody working together to make them cheaper. It can happen that way, but that stuff doesn't happen overnight. And then there's the engineering problem of Okay, so the pellet gave off more energy than we put into it, but it gave off energy in the form of heat. And how the heck do we get that heat and make it electricity for people to use? No idea. Um, the, <laughs> the people that did this experiment were like, we just had to prove we could do it. We got a lot of stuff to work on, we know. It will take a buttload of money, decades of research, lots of smart people from all different aspects of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, all different kinds of people, different experts, and the absence of greed on a societal scale to make this thing work. Um, all the scientific articles I was reading, they said that stuff. They said we need decades of research, lots of money, and lots of smart people. I'm going to add in the fact that greed, we need politics to not be greedy about this and say, to not just sort of bury this technology and say, let's stick with fossil fuels because we make more money off them. Who cares about climate and all that? I could totally see that happening. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so skeptical. I'm so pessimistic about this, but I'm also so excited. Uh, but to put it into perspective here, where are we with this? How far away are we? Justin Wark, a professor of physics at the University of Oxford and the director of the Oxford Center for High Energy Density Science, it's a mouthful, said that asking how long it would take to overcome the challenges was like asking the Wright brothers how long it would take to build a plane to cross the Atlantic just after their maiden flight. So, and they have no idea. They were making a plane out of like paper and wood <laughs> and uh, people didn't cross the Atlantic for decades <laughs> and those were made out of steel and glass and all kinds of different stuff. So he also said, Justin Work also said, I understand that everyone wants to think of this as being the great solution to the energy crisis. It is not. And whoever says it is with any certainty is misleading. It is highly unlikely that fusion will impact on a timescale sufficiently short to impact our current climate change crisis. So therefore, we must not let up on our efforts in that regard. The latest results also show that the basic science works the laws of physics do not prevent us from achieving the goal. The problems are technical and economic. So he adds a little hope in there at the end. He's like, look, we're really far away. We can't just let up on our other efforts. But the latest results of this experiment also show that the basic science, it works. It We can do it. The laws of physics do not prevent us from achieving the goal. The problems are technical and economic. A lot of work ahead of us, like I said in the beginning. Nonetheless, this experiment did prove we humans can harness the power of the stars right down here on Earth. All those problems, all those hurdles I just mentioned are solvable, and they're hiring bright young minds to help them solve them right now. 
They don't have to be young minds. You could be old, but they, they're hiring. Uh, I did put a video on the blog. It's just, it's under two minutes because it's like a press release. Nice little thing. The Guardian put it up on YouTube of Marv Adams, M-A-R-V Adams, A-D-A-M-S. If you just type in nuclear fusion Marv Adams on YouTube, you'll find it. He brilliantly explains what Nash, what the National Nuclear Security Administration accomplished in California and finishes with, and we're hiring. You know, they're hiring. So it's exciting. And I the reason why I put Marv's video, there's a couple videos of press releases, a couple of different people. Marv, I think, had a lot of charisma. And he, you can tell how excited he was. Um, not to be inappropriate, but he had what the kids are calling big dick energy while he was talking about this stuff. He was like, <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> it's a lot hotter than the surface of the sun. <laughs> what it took to create this energy? <laughs> It took less time than the speed of light to go one inch. <laughs> Ooh, so he's, I know, I'm exaggerating, but I just like most scientists <laughs> aren't that charismatic and cool, but he is and he, for good reason because they did a really cool thing. But we have a lot of work to do, humans, and I'm excited. Also, don't expect a, an episode next week um, because it's the holidays. I'm going to take it off. You'll hear from me again in 2023 where it will be officially... I call it season four, but it's the fourth year of Who to Thunk It, where I'll give my yearly briefing of what I've learned, what happened last year, and what's going to be coming up, and and it, it'll be fun. So I'll catch you guys next year in 2023, the first Wednesday in January. Thanks for listening, Who to Thunkers. Until next time.